1: Hey friends, I'm Jamie. I'm your host and you're listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm really excited you're here. This is the last Wednesday of January, which means we have officially made it through the very first month of 2022. Well, I should say officially, not yet. We still have a couple more days, but we've made it to the last Wednesday. You guys, I'm so excited about the conversation that we are bringing to you today. I sat down with two of my favorite leaders for a lot of the years that I've been following Jesus have been Beth Moore and Dr. Russell Moore, and they have both led me publicly and privately throughout these past couple of years in really great ways. And I know that a lot of you listening have been led by them as well. And I wanted to sit down and chat with them as we started 2022 and just talk about what is the hope that we're looking for. Sometimes the world feels very, very hopeless. And the three of us want to assure you that it is not hopeless, that there is hope. And it may not be found in this world. In fact, it will not be found in this world, but there is hope for us. Today, we talk about what it looks like to leave and what it looks like to stay and how do we do that and listening to the Holy Spirit. We talk about the hope that there is for leaders to endure hardships and still love Jesus as we lead people and what it looks like to be a faithful follower of Jesus. It was a really great conversation. And at the end, Beth and Russell both told me about new projects they're working on. So, you're going I want to listen all the way to the end. You guys, I would like to ask a favor of you if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, or maybe even if this is your first time, I would really love it if you would subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether you listened on Overcast or Stitcher or Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you're listening to my voice right now, would you head on over and push subscribe? That helps you never miss an episode. It also helps us know who's listening to the show. If you're loving the show, I'd also kindly request that when you subscribe, you go over and leave a rating or a review. Those are there so that other people can find the show. And what we want is more people to hear the good news that we have in today's show for you about the hope of Jesus. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Dr. Russell Moore and Beth Moore. Guys, we have a special show for you to two people on the show, Russell Moore and Beth Moore, which if you're new to the world of evangelicals, they are not married, let me just say, but they have the same last name. Welcome both of you guys back to the happy hour.
0: Hey, JB.
2: So fun. I love to tell people that I'm his mother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you have raised a good one for us. I really have. Haven't I?
0: They say, what is this, a Benjamin Button thing where he's older <laughs> than his mom? <laughs>
1: That is so funny. Well, both of you guys have been on the happy hour before and I just want to remind everybody. I remember Beth, the first time I talked to you, believe it or not, this is just going to blow both of our minds was in 2016. I mean, what was even the world like, but that's when we chatted for the first time on the happy hour and we were chatting about your novel that you wrote. So go back in time. That's when you were on for the first time. You know, I've said so many times I won't
2: get into this because we've got more fun things to talk about, but I've said, you know, that my grave marker will say what, 1957 through 2016, that everything after that has just sort of been like, <laughs> just trying to come back from the dead. But that was really when life died, as I knew it, and then there has been just...
1: The pursuit of resurrection ever since that time. No, I did not realize that. So that was the first time you chatted. And then you came back on again in 2020. January yes. 1st of 2020 was when that show aired. So we talked in December of 2019 and then it aired January 1st of 2020. And then here we are, you know, two years later. Yeah. Oh, wow. A lot of year. A lot of years, a lot of, of years. And on, on that show, I'll remind you guys have got to listen to all these shows that they've been on. But I remember you said something that I've quoted you often before. You said one thing that you pray for your kids is just that they'll love Jesus because everything else will just work itself out.
2: I wrote it today. I wrote it down today. That still and my grandchildren. Yeah, I'm a very, very active grandmother. So that is also what I pray for them. And yeah, that covers it to me that just that covers it all. And of course I pray specific things, but that- I know if they love him, they are going to persevere and that they're going to be obedient to him. They're going to want to, even if they stumble around and tumble into a ditch, they're going to get back up and get with him
1: because, you know, there's just nothing you won't do for love. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing for me as a mom. So I remember that. And then Dr. Moore, you came on in July of 2020. And mm-hmm. again, it feels so long ago, but that was in July of 2020. We recorded earlier, end of June, right when it felt like we were really feeling so much of this tension that we've all walked through in the past couple of years. And you actually came on for what we were calling your last decade. And we talked about your last 10 years. That's because you guys forever, the happy hour only interviewed women. And then I thought, you know what, I'll bring men on and I'll ask them about their last 10 years. And then around August of 2020, I thought, this is dumb. I'm just going to have happy hours with men all the time. And so (laughs) we have now said this show, we interview men and women on here, but Dr. Moore, you came on then. It was early in the pandemic. In that conversation, we talked about some of the pressures that you were feeling bubbling up from leading with churches and stuff. And so I want to jump right in with this conversation with you guys. And I want to start with you, Dr. Moore, because one of the things you told me, I asked you in that conversation. I said, Where do you see hope right now? And remember, mm-hmm. this is July of 2020. We're in the middle of our global pandemic, has just started. We are under lockdown. George Floyd has been murdered and Amart Aubrey. We have been walking through that. Our churches, what felt like some of them were losing their minds. And you said to me in that conversation, you said, that you were seeing some churches rise up and say, hey, these are our problems as collective. We're going to walk forward with them. I would like to ask you now, two years on the other side of that, July of 2020, how are you feeling now about hope for our churches in the midst of what we're still living on most of those things that we were enduring in July of 2020? Honest, let's be honest, we're still there. Like most of those things are still there. What are you thinking about hope now?
0: Well, in some ways, I started to say, if we did the last decade, last time, we could do the next decade now because it seems like it's been 10 years <laughs> through 2021. <laughs>
3: That's
0: so true, and, I, and I'm still hopeful and maybe more hopeful than ever, but I'm not Pollyanna-ish. You know, sometimes it's frustrating to me to have friends of mine who will say, oh, everything's gonna work itself out. Everything's going to be fine. And I think sometimes people have this mentality and I think I did for a long time. Well, at some point, things get crazy enough and the grown-ups are going to intervene and uh, take care of this and then you suddenly realize, "Oh wait, we are the grown-ups." <laughs> and, and there's nobody else coming in. Jesus gave us this uh, with the promise of his uh, power and presence, but this is what it is. But I'm hopeful because I look around and I see green shoots coming up out of the ashes like they always do, and you see people who are more I think people who kind of took it for granted mm. that I love Jesus, I love the church, and now they know why they love Jesus, and now they knew why they were not able to walk away from the church, Big mm. C Church. Yeah. So I think that's something hopeful.
1: You know, Beth, I'd love to hear from you as well. We as a community of followers of Jesus have really watched you and Dr. Moore just endure so much publicly, and I'm assuming so much privately, criticism and hard things. And since you said 2016, when you died, and then you came back for these last couple of years, we've watched that and we've watched you endure it. And you guys have led through that very well publicly, even though I'm sure that you would not wish that on your very worst enemy. And I want to ask you about something that Dr. Moore said about people deciding we're not going to leave the church. And I hear a lot of people who are saying, I'm done with church because the people I'm seeing, they don't represent Jesus. What keeps you here, loving the church?
2: You know, I cannot imagine just based on my faith and what I know of Jesus, I can't imagine any other life. I can imagine leaving people, but I and going for another people, but I can't imagine just pulling out on the church because. We are the church and the New Testament church. When I think about the apostles and those early followers, they had no thought whatsoever of a church that was just scattered individuals all over a globe. It was always such a community knit together in Christ that shared one another's burdens and even shared one another's belongings and were there for one another. I'm just going to tell you, there's a part of me that wants to tease and minimize it by saying I'm just too old. But you know what? I would hope I would still feel this way if I were 25 and had any sense about The New Testament, it is essential to us as believers that we have one another. And I understand the frame of thought. And it's so pretty in theory how we'll say, well, we still are. You know, if we have friends in the faith and we're checking with one another about what he's saying to us in our prayer lives and all that, that is good. That is crucial, but that's still not it. There is the gathering for the public reading of scripture, for the public proclamation of the gospel and for corporate worship. That is like having iron in our blood. Mm -hmm. We'd be in We're anemic without it. So to me, even through the pandemic, the first of the pandemic, as you said, this just goes on and on. We could not possibly have fathomed this. But when we weren't, when we flat out could not go to church Mm -hmm. and we were all online at all times, I knew that it was unsustainable. Maybe because I'm so old, but there's no way for it to stay that way forever. It can't Mm -hmm. because the church has got to endure. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so much of that means that there is that knit together that I can't even sharpen my gifts without you Mm -hmm. and Russ, Jamie. It's part of it. So I have never thought for a second of any other kind of way I was going to say life, but that's not true. We're all having to find a different kind of life, Mm -hmm. but a different kind of way apart from the local church. No, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, Russell, I'd like to ask you, and I don't think I said this on the show, but when I sent you the couple of questions before I was going to interview in 2020, you wrote a bunch of amazing things in there and you said, but I don't really want to talk about this on air. So I'm not bringing that up, but I want to tell you this. I wept as I read it. I read your responses and I literally cried at my desk the way that you were talking about the way our pastors and our leaders were being affected by this. And so I think my question for you now, a year and a half later, is where is the hope even for our our people that are leaders? We've got a lot of leaders that listen to the happy hour. You guys are leaders. I'm a leader. Like how is the hope for us to endure hardships and still love the church like Beth just talked about and still love Jesus and endure through that?
0: Well, that's the issue. I mean, and Jamie, I'm talking to people all day long. And what I think is really important for people to know is that there are a lot of people who are in a lot of leaders, various kinds who are in a very vulnerable place, but you would never know it. Mm -hmm. And I understand why, because there were many times where what I would have to do is just sort of, oh, everything's fine. Because ultimately, of course, everything is fine. And because I didn't want to sort of make this, make it a reality more than it was. And so you almost have to just sort of say, I can work through this and I've just got to do it. And you talk to your close friends, but a lot of people have a public front. And I don't mean by that hypocrisy. I just mean by that, that they're not even sure themselves what's going on. And mm-hmm. they're thinking to themselves, let me figure this out. There are a lot of leaders who are saying, am I just a kind of going through a crisis here? Is this going to be over or am I really experiencing some stuff? And so that's happening. And the problem is, I would say for people who you have leaders in your life, one of the things is really difficult is that, you know, this was the case for me and it's the case for, I don't know how many different people in church leadership. Most of the people are great. 90% of the people are fantastic to them. And if they sit down and do the math, They say, well, that's the case. But the problem is the 10% are obsessed with it and will do anything. And so that's how you see, like in a church, someone going around and saying, you know, I'm just checking on you. I've heard that there's a lot of controversy about your women's Bible study teacher. And, you know, are y'all okay? Well, what it does is cause you to think, well, I like her, but she's really controversial. Mm -hmm. Other people don't like her. And so you're sort of on edge. And that works. Mm-hmm. And so you just have uh, most of the people who think, oh, they'll be fine. If we just sort of let this go, then they'll be fine. And a lot of your leaders are not fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so true. What do we do about this? Like, What are the things that people who would call themselves, you know, quote unquote, regular people? And I think everyone's leading someplace. So we'll just that's Mm -hmm. kind of the obvious. But some of the people there in churches, how do we encourage our leaders and how do we be actually maybe you're not on a platform? Maybe you're not a pastor or a teacher or a leader, but you still have accountability to people in your body that you're accountable with because we're all in the same body. I think what I'm trying to ask is there's this real weird line that we're trying to find between like grumbling and accountability and doing what's right and staying through the end or saying, hey, it's time to go. Just how do we do that as followers of Jesus in this time within our church bodies? What does that look like to be a faithful follower within some hard situations?
2: Well, I'll say this much. One of the things that I think is good, that is very, very positive in this time, and I think was already so evident last year and even more so this year. You know, I guess that I speak from my own personal experience, my own pilgrimage with God, but there have been times that desperation has been such a gift for me because it kept me out of the gray Mm -hmm. zone. I can't live near the edge of a ditch. I can't. My foot, has a natural inclination into it, it just does. I can't do it. I can't live victoriously like that. In a lot of ways, what what we're facing is that something is broken. Something is broken. I mean, we can look all over evangelicalism or even really the larger body of American Christianity and go, something is broken. But if we come to a point to be able to admit the something is us Mm. and we drag our broken selves to the altar I am telling you, and I'm saying, yes, leaders, still we must lead and be on our faces before God, but to even come, I'm picturing even the ability to be able to humble ourselves enough. If we are teachers of a class or pastors of a church to say, I know this has been so hard on you. Let me tell you that not instead of not more than, but that in some ways, let me tell you why it's also been difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Let some of those tears fall, say together, shall we in the midst of this beating and battering, Mm -hmm. shall we choose Mutual grace and compassion and truth, and shall we go forward, nevertheless, for the sake of the gospel in Jesus' name? I think that's where we're getting. I read an article yesterday. I don't want to make the podcast to air at a different time, so I'll not specify it. But I have a feeling that you both read it. It was by a young pastor that was talking about some of these very things and the hardship of being a he said listen, I understand how hard it is to be the church and to be someone who's been hurt by the church he said I'm not saying instead of I'm just saying also along with this how hard it has been to be over here with people that you can't please mm-hmm. and I thought as I was reading the paragraphs that honesty was key. It was testifying to the desperation of, Lord, honestly, if you don't come through, we are not going to make it. As you said early in the podcast, I think we were on the air when you said it, Jamie, when you said, you know, we're basically stumbling around here. It's Mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, all of us are. So what would honesty look like? Our commitment. We're committed to Jesus. We're committed to Jesus. So we're committed to the gospel. We're committed to scripture. Now, what does it look like to go forward with this kind of brokenness, that kind of direction. Mm. I'm with Russ. I'm too tired and beat up to be Pollyannish and to be an idealist here. I'm talking about in the real life wrestling match in it and bruised elbows and skin knees and all the things that go with it. But the fact is, at the end of the day, y'all, this is mm-hmm. the time we have been chosen mm-hmm. for.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you, Jamie, one of the things that I learned, maybe over the past five years, especially over the last two years, is for most of my life in ministry, at least in terms of the ministry aspect, I kind of knew where everything was and where everything was going, and I could sort of plan out my life, and everything had a kind of stability to it. And so Beth knows this because I talk to her about it all the time. I had to make a decision about leaving one ministry situation and going to another one. And the one I was leaving is one that I loved. I loved what I did. I loved the people I worked with. I loved my denomination that I had served since I was nine months in utero. And it was hard to do. And I couldn't figure out what to do. Mm. And so I was talking to all kinds of people and saying, is this just me? Is this just life? Or should I do this? And I would feel really guilty about even having that sort of conversation. And one of the things I learned in that is that it was a gift of God to come in and break up that sense of stability Mm. that I had. And so I'm paying attention a lot more to things like the pillar of fire in the Exodus, which never stopped going before the people of Israel, but only gave enough light for the next step out. And uh, when that cloud came onto the tabernacle and it would tell them when to move, it wasn't with some sort of rhythm that they could track and put on a calendar. It took all that stability away. And you see the same thing when Jesus is being transfigured and Peter, James, and John are there trying to figure out what to do. Peter doesn't know what to say. He says, let's just build some monuments. He wants some stability right here. And the voice says, listen to him. You know, that's hard to do. And so I think for some of us having that sense of, I don't know what the next step is, it's really hard, but... It's actually going to be, I am certain of it. When we look back, those are going to be the times that we say, that's where I really learned what it was to love Jesus and depend on him
1: it's so good but don't we just want that stability you were talking yeah. about how we used to just be able to say this is how our life is going to roll and I thought oh that was so much easier it felt yes, like it was. but there is so much truth to that dependability on God I was just talking with a friend about kind of like the pillar of fire about you know your word is a lamp into my feet and I'm just like man God I just want it to go a little bit further can you give yeah. me a little bit more light in front of my feet because I cannot see very far and it's a little hard you know you mentioned in here Russell about leaving your job that you loved uh-huh. in a denomination. And I think that's been something that people have had to think through a lot in this past couple of years is what does it look like for them and their family? And I listened to you guys have a great, phenomenal conversation on your podcast, Dr. Moore, and everyone should go listen to it. It's really, really good. But one of the questions that someone asks is like, how do you know when it's time to leave? And they, in that moment, were particularly speaking of the SBC, which I would assume they were speaking of then because that was around a lot of your conversation. But there's a lot of that conversation happening right now. Like what it, does it mean you just talked about leaving a job you know and so that's i think a lot of people are even dealing with that right now with finding things that are super hard and what do you guys think about that i remember when you talked in the podcast someone asked specifically about the sbc and you said stay you know you don't need to just get up and leave like stay and figure it out and fight for it but what has it been like for you guys to have to walk through that publicly which again i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy to have to walk through that publicly and you've both have carried it so well But there are a lot of people who are looking to both of you guys going, what does it mean for me? Like, what does it look like in my own personal life? Look at Beth and Russell. Is this my step? And I just want to know, what do you say to people who ask you that? Well, I'm going to say this much. One of the things about Russ and I, and I
2: think it's one of the reasons why our friendship has you know, clicked is that we both understood this about one another. We're stayers. I'm going to tell you something. I don't walk away easy. I've laughed and laughed and said, listen, I've been married for 43 years because I just, you know, throw up my hands and walk away. That's just not what I do. And I think that also people think, well, then, you know, if you hate one place and love another, that's not true. We will both tell you we loved our people so much that we cannot put it into words without choking up with tears, but to someone who's just shopping around, being a consumer, and then maybe I should leave here. Maybe I should leave here. Listen, this is a whole different thing, and I don't want to be a smart aleck, but you're a lever. It's just like you know, if you don't please me, I'm leaving. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about truly. And this is one of the things. It's going to seem so big. It's going to be hard to get verbiage around, but it really is where this is going to settle out. We're going to have to learn to walk in the spirit. We're going going to have to. We're going to absolutely have to. We're so scared of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what to do with him, but how we know. And Russ just used the perfect biblical illustration cuz I would have gone right to it that you have to know. And I'm, I'm think of it in terms of heat even though I'm not talking about temperature that when the Lord is moving for you, in other words, when I can no longer feel him there with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, his spirit is in me, but I know He's Mm -hmm. going like, move it, move it. And Beth, if you overstay, for instance, let me put this very quickly. I can remember the last semester that I taught Tuesday night Bible study at First Baptist. This was after years and years and years of it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, loved it. We had a huge group citywide, every kind of Christian denomination you can name. Loved it so much. But when the Lord was like, you know, I'm prepared to move, prepared to move, prepared to move. And I mean, it was just over and over everything I read, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And so I just told. Them, I said, you know what? I have. I just pled with them. I need this one last semester because I've given my word, you know, and I'm going to keep my commitment. I've already told them I'm going to. It's, our, you know, already even bulletin. And I'm going to tell you something. Throughout that whole semester, I think they got through it okay because I kept telling my staff <laughs> over and over again. Oh my gosh, I was just about to panic because I could, I said, can y'all feel it? They said, no, we're still doing okay out here. But the sense, even in my teaching, I could tell that I was on such overtime that Mm. the Lord had said, and not because he did not love me and not because he did not love that church, but he had another assignment for me. And so I say that because when that heat of the Holy Spirit, when he begins moving and you're not moving with him, oh, Jesus I mean, if you're a person who walks in the spirit, there's no more miserable place to be because you know that in a sense, and I know somebody's going to want to argue this out with me theologically, but in a sense, when you start feeling like, You're on your own. And what I mean by that is now you're operating in the flesh because the Holy Spirit's gone. I'm being quenched here Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I have told you to follow me over here and you are not going. So that is it. That's what I'd want to tell somebody. When the Spirit of God makes it unbearable for you to stay, you leave and you do it not only for yourself. You do it for that group Mm -hmm. because you overstay your welcome and you're not going to bless them.
1: That's good. That's good.
0: Yeah. And I think you also have to know yourself enough to know whether you're one of those people that Beth mentioned, who's kind of a lever and Mm -hmm. you're always sort of, oh, well, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. If that's your tendency, then default to staying. Mm. And that's why, you know, when you said the question, should you leave or stay? And I said, stay. I'm not meaning that everybody should stay where they are. I'm just meaning you shouldn't feel guilty if you stay when God's calling you to stay. Just like you shouldn't feel guilty when you leave, when God's calling you to leave. So
2: wouldn't you say that assume, stay?
0: I would almost. I would say assume, stay, unless. And here's why. Unless. You have the problem that I had, and I think you had, which was a sense of nostalgia and a sense of embeddedness that what really was a pivotal moment for me is when an older pastor, Presbyterian pastor, completely outside of my immediate context, said to me at one point, because I was always saying, oh, you know, they really are great. And they were, I mean, every convention, they were so supportive. And I would talk about that. And he said, do you know who you sound like? You sound like the person that you and I both have dealt with before who says, dad really loves me. You know, he gets drunk because I'm bad and he comes in and beats me. And if I just behave a little bit better, he'll love me. Or the wife or girlfriend who says that and says, you and I've talked to that person so many times and that is who you are. Yes. Whether that's what's true or not in my case, and my wife says it is, <laughs> whether that's true in my case, if that's true for you, if you're in a situation where you're in a really toxic or abusive sort of situation and you feel like you can't leave because there's not life out there, yes, then default the other way.
1: Mm, that's good.
3: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw. I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.
1: I think that this is such good advice and just going back to listening to the Holy Spirit, because that is what he is there for. He is our guide and our teacher and is going to guide us. And Aaron and I had been in a situation where we were, this was years ago, we were leaving and it was done and done, leaving this particular thing. And God showed up miraculously in dreams and said, stay. And so just knowing, I think back to that time in our life. And I think, man, we were so desperate. God, just tell us, we're listening. We're here. Talk to us and he did because he's faithful that's what he did and so we stayed because he asked us to stay and it's always just something like that i told you guys before i would love to hear 2020 and 2021 have been difficult years and we're here in january of 2022 and i think some of us want to be like this is it guys this year we're going to turn it around and we're just going to we're going to have so many positive things on that positive flow chart here but i would actually love to hear from you guys looking back on 2020 and 2021 what were some of the like greatest things that happened in your life? Because we've all had so many difficult things, but are there things that you look back and you went, man, God, that was amazing. And it doesn't have to be grand, like, you know, God did something big thing. But I just want to hear from you guys. What do you look back on those two years and find such joy in?
2: There are a couple of things for me. I've thought about it since you shot that question ahead of time. And I'm sure that there are things we can't get to that you made us think about, Jamie, and made us grateful for, I'm sure, for both of us. But one of the things for me has been because of hard things. I was thrown into such a situation of starting over in a very, very real way. And I mean to in personal elements as well with my kids moving and just being Keith and I. And then for a lot of the pandemic, when I say it was just Keith and I, I do mean out here in the woods by ourselves and thinking like what on earth my life has changed so dramatically, but also just ministering wise, thinking to be in a situation of complete reliance, you know, God has to come through. He has to, to be reawakened there. And I, I've thought so many times here lately that truly any kind of, of awakening or any kind of revival, it will always, as different as it may look, it will always involve the remarkable eye-opening, fresh appreciation for God's pure faithfulness mm-hmm. that he just he came through when you couldn't possibly. And we really at Living Proof, we took such a huge financial hit. And then because we also my situation, and I love that Russ brought this up a moment ago because, man, I've just been amening everything he's been saying because I've lived so much of the same thing. We left people we loved dearly relationships. We did not want to leave. I did not want to leave Lifeway Women. I did not want to to. In order to do what God was calling me to do and to walk away from my denomination, I had to. But boy, I did not want to. And so suddenly here I am in a situation where I've got a Bible study that I'm writing, don't know what I'm going to do with it. I've got a staff that has been in a situation. We're an event ministry. We can't have events. You talk about a group of people just throwing themselves before God. And then him coming through. And so y'all will understand this because I could give 14 examples, but it won't be necessary. Let me just put it to you this way, that there's this day in which you're in a situation where you get a call from, you know, whoever is coordinating events. Oh, you know what? We only have 4,000 people signed up for that event. And, you know, because you're in an arena that's going to see, say, 10,000. Well, and suddenly it's like, what do you want me to do about it? Then you're in a situation where you're watching the screen, and oh my word, 150 people just signed up, and everything is brand new again Mm. and scary and risky. And you don't take one single call, one single invitation for granted because. You can't believe anybody will risk themselves on you again. And I don't know. I've told the Lord so many times. I've told Russell, I've told the Lord this, that Lord, if I can survive this, I will tell you this was the most brilliant plan, (laughs) but I don't know if I can. So that truly has been just the hunger to being hungry. I'm having to have the mindset of somebody decades younger Mm -hmm how they thought at 25 when they were trying to figure out what their calling might look like. Well, I'm there only I'm 64,
1: (laughs) you know? So it sounds like it's like what Russell was saying earlier, like the shaking up of the, all of a sudden, we don't know what this looks like. And then you're seeing fruit and faithfulness from that, which is anti to what we as humans want. We want, we want everything to be secure and this is how we do it. And each step does this two plus two is four. And it's not like that. It's death to us is the thing.
0: Yeah. What about you, Russell? You know, a writer that has meant a lot to me, Frederick Beekner, said at one point, pay attention to what brings tears to your eyes. Mm. Really pay attention to that because it'll tell you a lot about what's going on. And what I've noticed over the last couple of years is that what's bringing tears to my eyes consistently is not the tough stuff. It's the gratitude. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times tied up with the tough stuff, but I lost my dad during 2021. And what would make me tear up is not so much the fact that he was gone as much as the fact that I could remember what it was like to be a 12 year old and to be told he's just had a massive heart attack at 37 and he's not going to live through the night. Wow. And then when he survived, being told, well, he won't live through the year. And then being told that year by year until he outlived all of his cardiologists and lived 37, exactly 37 more years. Wow. And I was at that funeral tearing up thinking, thank you, God, for 37 extra years.
3: Yes.
0: And we just sent our oldest son that we adopted when he was a year old from a Russian orphanage off into the Air Force. And I just kept looking at this little, this little kid that I first encountered in that crib and just thank you, Mm. you know? So I think a lot of it, and even I've learned to kind of identify that the other day, one of my former students sent me a picture of where she was standing in this classroom that I used to teach in all the time. Mm. And I noticed I started crying because I said, they'll never ask me to do that again. And I love that place. And I love the students. And it first was this sense of, (sighs) then it turned around. And I said, thank you, God, for the fact that I have a situation where I have students all over the world that I hear from all day, every day in some way or the other. And I get to see what God is doing in their lives. And there's a sense of just gratitude that comes with that. And so that I really wouldn't take anything for 20, 2020, 2021. I wouldn't take anything for 2016 to 2021, because I think if things had continued exactly the way that I had always planned them, I would have ended up in my ministry being somebody that I wouldn't want to have been. Mm-hmm. And so, so the shaking yeah. up, it's ultimately it's good, even when it's hard. And so I think that's been, you know, maybe counterintuitively, but that's been a joy for me.
1: You know, that's good news for us because there are some people who are sitting in the midst of that shaking. And I'm not saying that either one of you are out of it, but I'm saying there are some people who just feels like everything's falling apart right now. Mm -hmm. And there's that hope to say like, it is sometimes the shaking that brings us so close to the father. And you both saying that today, you're both examples of that. When you were talking about gratitude, Russell, have you guys heard the song, gratitude by Brandon Lake. I don't know how new it is, but um, I'm going to demand, I don't know if I could demand anything of either one of you, but I would like to request that when we're done with this interview, you both go listen to it. The first time I heard it was when we were watching the chosen Christmas special. My whole family was in the movie theater and we were watching it. And Brandon Lake started singing this song and I just, I wept through the entire thing. I wept through the whole thing. And then I wept again when he sang in a Passion. And it says in here, you know, the part of it is just like, I've just got one response. I've just got one move. With my arms stretched wide, I will worship you. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for my heart singing hallelujah. And that whole song, it just made me kind of think what you guys have been talking about is it feels so scary sometimes. And then there's this moment where we go, but I'll praise you because that's all I have left. Like all I have is the hallelujah. That's right. And it's a beautiful song. You guys, I'm extremely grateful for both of you in the way that you have led publicly and the way that you've led me privately as well. So I'm really, really grateful for both of you.
3: you.
1: I always ask people what you're reading and what you're loving these days. And so if you have a book that you've loved lately, I would love to hear about it. But I would also love to hear, like, are either of you working on anything new that we would love to
0: know about? I'm working on a book that really is coming out of the experiences of the last five years and looking forward into the future. And so I'll be working on that book all year long.
1: Do you have like, I'm going to get real nosy here, Dr. Moore. Is that all you can give
0: us? Well, I can tell you it's <laughs> my working title, which they'll probably change. For sure. when sure. Always, when we read always. About, they always will. But my title is A Rebirth for the Reborn. Mm. Oh, oh my word. And what I plan to do is to sort of say, honestly, how did we get here? But then why is it worth it Mm. to actually keep moving forward with the good news of of Christ? And also to say why I taught on a very secular campus this past year, and the student was there and he was asking me all these theological questions. He was totally secular, never met an evangelical Christian before. And he said, so now you're kind of like, a what do they call it? A Bible thumping fundamentalist (laughs) Uh, based on this? And I just, after having been called a liberal and you know, a rebel, <laughs> like, I'll take whatever, it. I, was, uh, I just feel so seen. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so what he asked, why do you still believe in Jesus if you have seen what I have seen, You know, looking from the outside? on what can go on in church life. And I believe in Jesus more than I did in 2015. Yes. And yeah. I want to talk about why. I love and that. so that, that'll be one of the things with the book.
1: Well, I'm excited. What I know you're an avid reader, Russell. What are you loving these days I'm reading?
0: You know, I'm reading a novel right now that I don't want to recommend because I'm only about <laughs> a fourth of the way into it, but it's called Dearly Beloved. And it's about these four people. It follows them kind of from their college years all the way through their lives. And uh, two of them are in ministry. And it's really been moving to me so far.
1: Okay. Love it. All right, Beth, what about you? Are you working on anything?
2: Yes, I am. I, you know, I have got to say something before I tell you that, in that I'm just thinking about the people listening to us. And I just want to say to them, you know, keep going, because let me tell you, if you think that Russ and I, would have said exactly the same things a year and a half ago, as we're saying right now, when we were just like bloody from head to toe. Oh, you'd really honestly be incorrect. And so I just want to say it's so important to me that people understand I don't that God does not play favorites, that we are also beloved by him. And, you know, that old saying that if you're, you know, walking through trouble, keep walking. And I'm going to say exactly that. Even when you tumble, even when you even when you sit down, you feel like you can't get up. That one of the things that I say continually to people and I say to myself and I write it in my journal, this ends so well, mm-hmm. this ends so well, we walk straight into the presence of Jesus. This really ends beautifully. And so no matter what happens here, you know, this turns out extremely well. Mm-hmm. And so please be encouraged to know that I am not only have I just written something I'm coming To the end of it, I am two days out from turning in the last part of the manuscript that something that not just doesn't just start at 2016, but when I was four years old. Wow. I I got a hold of Tyndale today. I said, I am gonna be on Jamie's podcast today. Can I tell? And they said, I was on a little bit of a group text and, and they, we went back and forth some. And they said, You can tell just this much. I said, well, What <laughs> this much can I tell? And they said, You can tell what it's on. And course, we're so close to an announcement. I am just finishing a memoir.
3: Mm. So,
2: you know, it's crazy because I thought when I began it, I thought I have never less known who I was. And then <laughs> I was this time, it's the dang truth. It's the dang truth of it. What a messy, messy life. But I pray that it will be an encouragement to someone. So anyway, we will release a title for it probably at the end of this month. And then it of course won't be out until about a year from now. But yeah, it's been, listen, when I say it's been (laughs) its own therapy, I am not kidding.
1: (laughs) It is no joke to go back and look at all those years and see where you have been and how you have stumbled and how you have succeeded. Those are hard things to look at. Beth, what are you reading? Or is it hard to read during writing? Well, I'm
2: just seeing if I was within arm's uh, length of grabbing a book that I just started. The most prolific things that I have been reading here lately have been on liturgy mm-hmm. and on Anglicanism and on just trying to, you know, learning doctrine of a denomination that I was very unfamiliar with. And so, you know, I'm a student. I love to learn. I just love to learn. So that's really been a lot of where I've been and a lot of the last year also that any time off. So anytime it was not really focused toward a certain biblical concept or or a scripture or chapter, then it's been memoirs because I was writing one. Yes. I just would see and listen and oh, I have no idea
1: how many of those that I've listened to in the last year, but I've always got my head in some kind of in some kind of book. Well, my favorite book of last year, I believe she's an Anglican priest. Tish Harrison Warren, oh yeah, yes. she's great. Prayer in the night it was just yeah. my hand down best favorite best book I read last yeah. year. So yeah, love so that book good. so much. So yeah, and good. a lot
2: of people must have thought that because it just got an award, didn't it? I like, <laughs> yes. Jamie, I wanted to show you something. And this will be familiar. A little, well, it's not out there with us, but this would have been at a conference that uh, hosted yep. with the ERLC uh, Caring Well. But I just wanted you to know that this sits on my
1: desk, Jamie. I love that. I have that exact picture on a bulletin board in my office.
2: I just love it, and for our listeners, it's uh, Kay Warren and Kelly Rosati, and you and me, and then right behind us, Megan Lively, and it just—I don't know. It I think just, it was
1: from Caring Well, the was, the conference. Show. Yeah, it
2: was, and it just—it represents so much to me. It represents those five women. There is such a look of affection on each of mm. our faces for the Lord and all of us with the background that we have. And so this doesn't say anything about the quality
1: of us. This is the worthiness of Christ. So good. Well, you guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your encouragement. It is just thinking about this next year coming up. And I think a lot of people are just looking for that hope and the hope that we have in Jesus and our our local bodies of churches to gather and and care for each other and love for each other. You guys are speaking and walking that. And so I love you both dearly. Thank you for coming on the happy hour, Dr. Moore and Beth Moore. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks for
0: having us. And I don't know why, but that I get teary eyed every time I'm on the happy hour, but I think you must just have kind of Oprah power. But uh it's always good to talk to you.
1: Well, you know what? You did say listen to your tears. Listen yes, to what right. makes you teary eyed. Exactly right. I love y'all. Love you. All right, guys, I hope you love that as much as I did. It was such a bright spot in my day when I chatted with them both. I adore them. They are phenomenal leaders. They are chasing Jesus. They're listening to the spirit. And I loved it when Dr. Moore said, pay attention to what brings tears to your eyes. And that is true for all of us. Because if you want to go back and listen to any of the shows that they've been on before, and like I said, Dr. Moore has been on once and Beth has been on twice, all of those links will be in the show notes. And you can go to jamieivy.com slash HH463. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey Podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and/or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends, that is actually the number one way that people find out about our show. Because you tell them, join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes, do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing? Well, come over and find us there, and you can. JamieIvey.com slash YouTube. The happy hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.